Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour. I'm your host, Justine Ward, and each week we bring you a classic show from radio's golden age. This week we have some wonderful musical entertainment from the Railroad Hour. Although it was called the Railroad Hour and sponsored by the American Railroads, by this time it was a half-hour show. It featured high-quality adaptations of musicals and light opera with a stellar cast. This week we have two classical pieces developed into operettas by the Railroad Hour, Scheherazade and Swan Lake. I think you will love the story and songs set to the music Rimsky-Korsakov composed in 1888. The Railroad Hour, Scheherazade, first broadcast August 13, 1951 on NBC. Ladies and gentlemen, The Railroad Hour. And here comes our summer show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents a new dramatic setting for the immortal Rimsky-Korsakoff music of Scheherazade, starring Gordon McRae and his guest, charming Dorothy Warren Show. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Tonight, the world premiere of a new musical play is brought to you, transcribed by the American Railroads, the same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, you will hear the glorious music of Rimsky-Korsakoff, presented for the first time as an American light opera by the Messrs. Lawrence and Lee. I shall be Caliph of Samarkand, the most exalted and imperial monarch of the plains of Central Asia, the Sultan Shariar, and Dorothy Warnshold will be Scheherazade. <laughs> came to pass in the thirteenth year of his reign that the most excellent Sharia, Prince of Samarkand, did proclaim throughout his dominions, yea, even unto the very borders thereof, a festival of forty days and forty nights. I command everyone to stand to sing everywhere in all Samarkand. Let us sing for the king, we will sing for the king, we will sing for the king, the king we command. Shari is a prince of Thank you. 
I merely called for my grand vizier, Abu Hassan. I am here, almighty Sharia, prince of the sun and light of the moon, ineffable lord of all the dominions. Yes, 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 I know. Tell me, does the entertainment go well? Throughout your entire land, your people are celebrating. Joy is in every heart. Uh, only one thing troubles them, sire. Oh? They do not know exactly what they are celebrating. And we would inquire... Silence! Not enough that the Sultan of Samarkand commands it? True, Your Majesty. If I order a man's head chopped off, does anyone ask me why? Never, Your Majesty. And if I order my subjects to be happy, who dares to question my imperial command? No one, O oh perfect one. Then I say, let happiness prevail. We are happy, sire. <laughs> See how happy I am? <laughs> Nay, Hassan. I know that you are miserable because there is no woman in your house. I have two lovely daughters. Dunyazad and Sherazad. But no wife. Alas for me, my bride has long been the guest of Allah in paradise. You ask why we celebrate, Hassan. This festival honors my wife, my queen, Zobede. Tell me, Hassan, have you ever seen her equal? The olive perfection of her skin, her eyes like polished opals... And her form like the undulating sands of Kokonor. Your Majesty is indeed favored among men. My poor Hassan, how empty your life must be. We must find you a wife. I have searched the marketplace. Bah! Such creatures as my Zobede do not dwell among the carts and cabbages in the heat of the noonday sun. These frail creatures, Abu, are night blooming flowers. And their fragrance must be sought by starlight. In the untrodden ways. In the hush of the night, there is love. There is love in the silent silver of the moonrise. For the night is the robe of my love. Murmuring a tune Will I find her My lovely My own Must I spend Endless ages Wandering alone For the glare Of the daylight May bright her I can find the way, but I know she's waiting for me. Oh, yes, I know that she waits patiently for me. Bring her to the palace at once. Zobide, he's coming in Zobide. 
summoning go Well, where is she? Where is Queen Zobedee? She has fled, Your Majesty. Fled? With Your Majesty's cousin, Shah Zanan. He lies! Turn out his tongue! No, sire! Mercy! Mercy! true, Hassan. The queen has gone. Alas, it is true, O oh perfect one. For months, Zobide has been plotting against you. I was not told. Why was I not told? Who, who, who would dare to speak out against the king's favorite? Call up the guard. Pursue them. They shall not escape. What is that? That music? Uh, that is the band of musicians which your majesty has ordered to play for this night's entertainment. be smashed and the players thrown into the dungeon. Oh. The celebration? It's over. I swear, as I am the Sultan of Samarkand, what has happened this night shall not occur again. Never shall a wife be faithless to Sharia. Your Majesty forswears the company of women? Nay, by the beard of the Prophet, I shall win every day if I choose. But on the wedding night, the sounding of the twelfth stroke of midnight, each bride shall die. No. This is the oath of Sharia. May Allah be my witness. No queen of Samarkand shall live past the hour of midnight. Sharia is the prince of Yes, O oh perfect one. Go fetch me a wife. A wife, Your Majesty? A wife. Who is that? Singing in the courtyard. Is, is, is someone singing? You are pale, Abu. Can it be a relative, perhaps? We, it is difficult to say. A daughter? I... I fear it is my Scheherazade. You fear her, son? Only because she might offend your majesty with her ugly face. A few moments ago, you called her lovely. Oh, a joke, oh perfect one. Scheherazade has the ears of an owl, the face of a bat, the complexion of a decrepit crow. She has the voice of a nightingale. Uh, her only grace. Go bring me this crow of yours, Abu Hassan. A chance we shall transform her into a bird of paradise. to the second act of A Thousand and One Nights in just a moment. Tonight, the Railroad Hour is honored in presenting for a brief message the Honorable James K. Knudsen, member of the Interstate Commerce Commission and a distinguished administrator of the Defense Transportation Administration. Mr. Knudsen. Through service by normal routes has been largely restored on all railroads running through the Kansas-Missouri flood area. Behind that brief announcement is a tremendous job done by the railroads. First, in keeping traffic moving through the use of alternative routes, and then in the quick repair of broken lines and prompt restoration of service. This magnificent rehabilitation job is being carried out by the railroads at their own expense and without financial assistance. It includes not only the repair of tracks, but the rehabilitation of terminals and shops, and of the scores of locomotives and thousands of freight cars caught in the flood waters. The railroads assembled approximately 17,000 high-grade boxcars in the southwest in preparation for the movement of winter wheat. The movement was delayed by heavy rain so that part of the southwestern harvest must be moved at the same time as the crops farther north. Meanwhile, many of the cars assembled were made unusable by the flood. 
So now, with the car supply thus diminished, railroads must undertake a double task. To carry out that task, as well as to maintain the serviceable car supply and locomotive fleet throughout the nation, the railroads will need steel and other materials for their work of maintenance, repair, and operations. This requirement complements the need for steel to carry out the program of building new freight cars and locomotives which the railroads undertook to meet the demands of, of national defense. This country can have and use no more of anything than it can haul. The great bulk of hauling is done in railroad cars. That's why the Defense Transport Administration continues to urge upon the authorities responsible for allocations of materials that there be no lessening of the flow of materials. Materials essential both for railroad operation and also for the program of increasing railroad capacity as the commercial and defense needs of the nation increase. Here is the second act of our Railroad Hour premiere of A Thousand and One Nights, starring Gordon McRae as the Sultan Shaliyar and Dorothy Warren showed as the fabulous Scheherazade. The burden of my years falls upon my white hairs like the rocks of an avalanche. Why are you sad, my father? Have you heard of the terrible oath of our sultan Shariar? Oh, Samarkand knows. And you know what must happen to his wives. Precisely at the hour of midnight. I know. Allah, why have you blessed me with a beautiful daughter? Shahrizad, stick out your tongue. Like this? Father, father, try to touch the end of your nose. Can you cross your eyes? Now, 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 scowl. Oh, it is no use. Nothing succeeds in making you ugly, Scheherazade. I would become an old woman overnight if it would make my father happy. Alas, Scheherazade, I fear you will never become an old woman at all. The king wants to marry you. <gasps> And when the marriage feast is over, when the sun has gone into the caverns underneath the earth, I will never see the light of my life again. Do not despair, my father. Shariar has taken an oath by the prophet against all womankind. No bride shall live to see the dawn after her wedding day. And I swear that I shall live to see the glory of another sunrise. Which oath is stronger, the king's? Or mine. Allah shall decide. The king is pleased with his bride. Is he? We know already the pleasantness of her voice. Does the court wish to hear a song from the new queen? Yes. Sing, my love. I do not wish to sing. The king commands you to sing. And the queen refuses to sing. You know my oath. You know how long you shall remain queen. I advise you to sing while there is still breath within you. Will a song spin out the hours of my breathing, Shariar? You dare to call me Shariar? That is your name, and I am your wife. I prefer to be called Old Perfect One. Pooh, you aren't perfect. You've spilled salad oil all over your tunic, and your turban's on crooked. No one dares speak back to the king. You shall die. I shall die anyway. Enough! Clear the court. All of it. Take your leave from the banquet hall. The marriage feast is ended. I beseech you, Your Majesty. Who is this child? It is my sister, Dunyazad. 
Can you deny her the privilege of bidding me a last farewell, oh, perfect one? Let it be brief. Scheherazade, my sister, I cannot sleep again until you tell me the ending of the story. Not now, little Dunyazad. But I must know how the story ends. Story? Story? What story? Did you not know, Almighty King, that my sister is gifted above all of Alice's creatures in the skill of telling tales? Marvelous, mystical tales, which are almost beyond the power of believing. Oh? I must hear such a tale. Is there time? His Majesty has pressing business at the hour of midnight. That business will be attended to, never fear. But until the stroke of twelve, you will entertain me with one of your marvelous adventures. As you command, oh, perfect one. Long ago in the city known as Baghdad. Baghdad. Luxury and idleness in the city did fit on a vessel a hundred cubits long and one hundred and fifty cubits high. And Sinbad set his course for the farthest reaches of the ocean of the Indies, where a great storm seized upon his sails and smote his ship upon a rock. And Sinbad deemed that his days had ceased to multiply themselves. Until a mighty eagle swept down out of the cloud, grasped Sinbad's collar in his claws, and soared with him across the angry waves. An eagle? Verily did the eagle snatch Sinbad from the jaws of the waves, else would my story be swiftly ended. which even the rainbow dreams not of. And corked up within the bottle was a genie. A genie? A genie. Was it a good genie or a wicked genie? Oh, you must judge that for yourself, my husband. Thundercloud, and he leaped in one stride to the peak of a mountain top, and seizing a thunderbolt in each hand, he readied himself to fling the daggers of lightning at poor Sinbad, who dropped to his knees and begged for mercy. What then? What happened then? Sinbad took the bottle of many hues in which he had found the genie imprisoned, and he himself crawled inside the glass, drawing the cork in after him. Genius. And then? Sinbad opened his mouth to pronounce the magic words which the genie dare not utter. But the sound of their syllables had escaped him. No. 
He could not remember the magic word. Go on. Continue. What happened then? and last voyage of Sinbad the Sailor. Stay. What do I see to the east? It is the glow of sunrise, O perfect one. Allah, preserve me. I have broken my vow. Nay, my husband. I swore you should die at midnight, but I heard not the striking of the hour. Your tale of Sinbad has bewitched me. Allah has cast this spell upon you, Shariar, to preserve you from your own wickedness. And it is a spell of love. Is it love truly? Or have you made Shariah the captive of your tongue? I am the captive, O Sultan, for I thought to build a bridge of words between us to span the sunset to sunrise. But Allah has built instead a bridge between our hearts. It has been a magical night. But only one night. I decree there shall be a thousand more. A thousand and one nights of such fabulous tales. If you seek for it, the darkness has more to give you, Shariar. In the hush of the night, there is love. There is love in the silent silver of the moonlight. Thanks to lovely Dorothy Warrenshold, to Jay Novello, Mary Lee Robb, Marvin Miller, and to our entire company. Music for A Thousand and One Nights was by Rimsky Korsakoff. Lyrics and libretto by Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroads. The recent and unprecedented flood in Kansas and Missouri created an aftermath of damaged homes and destitute people in urgent need of assistance. You can help these fellow countrymen in their time of need through a contribution to your local chapter of the American Red Cross, which is working day and night to alleviate the suffering. Now, here are Gordon McRae and Dorothy Warrenshold again. Gordon, you killed me as the Sultan Shariar. <laughs> well, not quite, Dorothy, and I'm glad, because we can use you next week. It's the premiere performance of Long Ago, a lovely nostalgic musical based on Thomas Bailey Aldrich's famous Marjorie Dawn. I've just had a peek at the schedule of shows in the weeks ahead, Gordon. I'm terribly excited about them. Well, every Monday night is an opening night, Dorothy, on the show train. For instance, on August 27th, we'll have the world premiere of Danny Friel, a delightful Irish operetta. And on September 3rd, you're going to be Mark Twain for a musical romp called Innocence Abroad. See you back in 1910 next Monday night, Gordon. That's the day, Dorothy, 1910 to be exact. All aboard! Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next Monday night, and long ago, this is Gordon McRae saying goodbye.
Hour was transcribed in Hollywood. Gordon McRae can be seen in Warner Brothers on Moonlight Bay. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroad. Now stay tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. Your Monday evening of music continues with the telephone hour on NBC. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour broadcast each week over the World Wide Web with your host, Justine Ward. Next, we have a light romantic comedy composed for the Railroad Hour using Tchaikovsky's music from the ballet Swan Lake. It's amazing how the cast of the show did a brand new musical each week. This is the Railroad Hour Swan Lake First broadcast September 8th, 1952 on NBC. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Association of American Railroads presents the great music of Tchaikovsky in a new Lawrence and Lee operetta, Swan Lake, starring Gordon McRae with his charming guest, Dorothy Warren Show. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another new musical play is brought to you by the American Railroads, the same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we're going traveling to Europe to hear some of the immortal themes of the great Tchaikovsky and how they affected the life of an ordinary American tourist named Richard Sims. That's me. And I expect to find Dorothy Warren showed somewhere among the lights and gaiety of London's Broadway, the West End. And here's Swan Lake. I'm a romantic fellow. It's a serious fault, really. And a great handicap to a fellow looking for a girl. You see, that's why I'm here in Europe, traveling around Paris and London, trying to find the one girl who can turn my life into a love song. The way I see it, a woman should be a flower, a breath, a fragile compilation of moonlight, perfume, a faint smile or two, and a light within that shimmers like the chords of a Tchaikovsky concerto. to find that love, not in America, and not in the capitals of Europe. So I sauntered across the lobby of my hotel on London's Park Lane, 
preparing to have another dinner alone. I'm terribly sorry, mademoiselle. I cannot give you a table for at least 20 minutes. But I'll miss my dinner. I can't wait 20 minutes. But the dining room is so crowded. Well, what about that empty table? Right there. It is reserved. Ah, ah, Mr. Sims. Good evening, Andre. Your table is already, Mr. Sims. This way. Oh, one moment, Andre. Excuse me, please. Yes? If you haven't time to wait for a table, as it happens, I'm dining alone. Would you care to join me? Why, why, you're very kind. Thank you so much. It will be dinner for two, Andre. Uh, very good, Mr. Sims. Follow me. I know what you're thinking. This must be the girl, the woman I've been searching for. <laughs> no such luck. Oh, she was pretty enough, but I don't think we exchanged a dozen words during the course of dinner. She hurried off without dessert, and I didn't even find out her name. But I sized her up in my own mind. Another American tourist, schoolteacher perhaps. I signed the bill and said goodnight to the maitre d' and strolled to Covent Garden to watch the opening of the new ballet. And there it happened. There on the stage of Covent Garden I saw her, the girl. She was dancing the Swan Princess. Did I say dancing? She was floating across the stage, a miracle of movement. A ballerina whose every pirouette, every tour jeté was perfection itself. In the half-light, I searched out a name in my program. Graziana. Tanya Graziana. I could not take my eyes away from that lovely creature in the spotlight. The stage was in deep blue, and her face was a mask of grease paint. But she hypnotized me. And I knew at long last I was looking at the one girl I had tried so long to find. When I saw you dancing, I kissed you with my eyes. By all enhancing the thrilling, throbbing feeling of finding the one I love. is dancing while I am in disguise. How can I awaken your from harm Sleeping beauty when will you open up your eyes See your love longing to let you learn that waking is better than sleeping Beauty why do you haunt me with your charms Waking your heart to the call After the performance, I went to the stage door and waited like a college sophomore watching for his favorite movie star. But she must have slipped out the back way, in the direction of the London Vegetable Market, where the cabbages sit alongside the scenery from Swan Lake. That night, I dreamed my ballerina was all beautiful things, combined in one perfect woman. I dreamed that she was in love with me, and she wasn't shy. Not in my dreams, anyway.
Telephone, Mr. Sims. I do not have an empty table. But I can't wait, Andre. I'll miss the curtain of the ballet. I'm so sorry, Mr. Sims, but what can I do? If Mr. Sims is in such a hurry, oh? I would have no objection if he sat at this table. Why, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Andre? As you wish. It's very kind of you. Oh, turnabout's fair play. Did I hear you say you were going to the ballet again tonight? Why, yes. Would you care to join me? <laughs> oh, good heavens, no. How can you sit through a ballet? Why, it's the purest art form in the theater. Nonsense. I find it grotesque. My dear lady... A bunch of bandy-legged swan maidens cavorting about the stage, jumping up and down, waving their arms. I think it's silly. Obviously, madam. You have never seen Tanya Graziano dance the swan lake. As a matter of fact, I haven't. Who is she? The greatest ballerina in the world, that's all. Oh? Do you um, know this paragon of Covent Garden? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I'm one of her greatest admirers... In fact... Yes? I'm in love with her. Andre, a menu, please. Well, it turned out to be an even more unpleasant dinner than the night before. The girl kept looking at me with a most annoying expression, as if she were laughing at me for loving the ballet. I found her manner quite distasteful, and I bade her a curt goodbye as I left the dining room for the theater. But I was due for a disappointment. Tanya Grazianov did not even appear upon the program. Sadly, I wondered if this could be the end of my one-sided love and, and if my brief glimpse of the dancer must be a, a story with an unhappy ending. This is the story of a starry Please. 
just a moment, we'll return with Act Two of Swan Lake. Say, Marvin, I was on a train the other day and noticed that the conductor had a star and one bar on the sleeve of his uniform. Now, just what does that mean? Well, Gordon, that indicated that the conductor had completed 30 years of service on his railroad. You see, a star counts 25 years and each bar five years. And whether it is the conductor or any other employee of the railroads, you'll find that he's proud of his service, which, like that of the conductor you saw, Gordon, is generally of many years. And you'll find, too, that railroad men and women are proud of the traditions that have grown up about their jobs since railroading began in America well over a century ago. Traditions of good service, dependability, courtesy, and friendliness. For the railroads, with their tremendous investment in equipment and facilities of all kinds, have only good service to sell. Railroad men know that the service must be good, and they work together to make it better in every way. And besides the vital role they play in providing the nation's essential transportation service, railroad men and women are good citizens and good neighbors in the towns and cities in which they live. Last year, more than one and a quarter million employees of the nation's railroads were paid more than $5 billion in wages, more than half of every dollar taken in by the railroads. This money was spent in communities in all parts of the country to help support local businesses, civic organizations, schools, and churches. Yes, railroad people are good citizens and good neighbors who work together in helping to provide the dependable economical mass transportation service upon which our nation depends. Now here is Act Two of the new Lawrence and Lee operetta, Swan Lake. Starring Gordon McRae as Richard Sims and Dorothy Warren Scholl as the girl who doesn't like ballet. Of course, she didn't dance every night, my dream girl of ballet, but every program which announced Tanya Graziana in Swan Lake or Sleeping Beauty found me in the tenth row of the stalls following that graceful figure with my eyes. And every performance made her seem farther away. How could I ever introduce myself? And then what would I say to her when we did meet? I had the helpless, hopeless feeling of a man in love with a, a will-o'-the-wisp that has nothing in his arms but, but moonbeams. Will this be moon love? Nothing but moon love. the moon beams, but when the moon fades away, will my dreams come true, much as I love you, don't let me love you, if I must pay for your Not moon love. 
got a brilliant idea. Simple but brilliant. I would write a letter to the ballerina. With my fountain pen, I could say words that I could never speak. And as I sat in the dark of the auditorium enthralled by the spinning, flying figure on that stage, I wondered if my letter, lying on the table of her dressing room, might waken the sleeping beauty to an awareness of my love. <laughs> my box at the hotel that evening, a letter. My dear Mr. Sims, thank you for liking my dancing. I shall be happy to meet you for dinner at your hotel tomorrow evening. Until then, au revoir, Tanya Graziana. Was it possible? I couldn't believe my own good fortune. We would actually be dining together. I counted the seconds until the dinner hour. I held my breath as Andre brought me to my table. This way, Mr. Sims. Follow me, please. Good evening. But, Andre, what is this young woman doing here? You have been dining together. When you asked for a table for two, naturally, I thought... Do you mind? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm expecting someone for dinner. Mm, A ballerina, probably. Why, yes. And I'm afraid I, I must ask you to... Well, I can't very well have dinner with you while I'm having dinner with someone else at the same time. I don't see why not. My dear young lady... If I'd known you were this sort of person, I'd never have let you invite me to dinner. I invited you? Yes, I have the letter right here. My dear Miss Grazianov. What? May I dare to add my poor plaudits to those of the adoring audiences whom you hold spellbound? Why, you stole that letter. You're not Tanya Graziano. Of course not. Well, you're an American. How clever you are. I demand an explanation. Did you ever hear of a ballet dancer named Thelma Green? No. And you never would have if I hadn't changed my name to Tanya Graziano. Why, if a ballet dancer doesn't have a Russian name, it's like... Well, it's like doing Swan Lake without a tutu. I beg your pardon? Well, that little skirt I wear. You didn't recognize me in it, did you? On the stage, you're taller. Well, on my toes, I am. <laughs> Poor Mr. Sims. You wanted to open up my eyes to your love. Ah, but I'm afraid you're the sleeping beauty. Please, madam. And if you're the sleeping beauty, then I must be the beast. Oh, for I've been a dreadful tease, haven't I? If you'll excuse me, please. I most certainly won't excuse you. You asked me to dinner, and now you've got to go through with it. You see, I, I like you very much. Even though you are quite stuffy and uh, something of a bore at times. Am I stuffy? Quite. But you'll get over it, I'm sure. You led me to believe that you liked me uh, a little. At least you liked my dancing. I adore you. The only reason I didn't like you is because you said you didn't like yourself. And you didn't tell me that you were yourself. Well, how was I to know that you didn't know that I was who I was or who I wasn't? (laughs) It's all terribly complicated, isn't it? Not really. I think we're falling in love. That's a very simple thing, isn't it? Opinions have been known to differ, but I'm sure love can be very simple and wonderful. Shall we fall in love and find out? I already have. Yeah.
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Lovely Dorothy Warren Soul will be back in just one moment. And meanwhile, our hearty thanks to Marvin Miller and to all the members of our company. Swan Lake, with the great melodies of Tchaikovsky, was written especially for the Railroad Hour by Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at the same time by the American Railroads. Marvin? It might surprise you to know that for each of the one and a quarter million men and women employed directly by the railroads, it is estimated that at least one other person is employed by the many industries that supply the railroads. Railroad purchases of materials, supplies, fuel, and equipment, which last year amounted to more than $3 billion, represent a virtual cross-section of the output of American industry and agriculture. Thus, in providing the nation's leading transportation service, the railroads not only create millions of jobs, but are also one of America's best customers. You know, Gordon, it was fun being a prima ballerina instead of a prima donna for a change. <laughs> oh, you sure had me fooled, Dorothy. But I'm glad the Swan Princess turned out to be my pigeon. <laughs> What's on the show train next Monday night? Well, Carmen Dragon may be out of a job next week, mm-hmm. or I'm doing the title role in a new musical play called Maestro. It's all about the adventures and misadventures of a big symphony orchestra on tour across the United States. Um, do you need a soprano to sing with your orchestra, Maestro Macrae? Well, we do, Dorothy, and uh, you have the job. Ah. If you'd like to sing some of the stirring melodies from the Romberg and Lehar operetta. I certainly would, Gordon. Well, then watch for my downbeat next week. I'll be seeing you then, Maestro. All aboard. <laughs> well, dear friends, it looks as, as if we're ready to pull out and so until next week and the world premiere of a new Railroad Hour play... This is Gordon McRae wishing you all good night. Gordon McRae appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, producers of The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. Our music was prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon, and our choir was under the direction of Norman Lubo. Until next week, this is Marvin Miller saying good night for the American Railroads. Now stay tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. This evening, Eugene Connolly stars on The Voice of Firestone on NBC. You have been listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. You can subscribe at no charge through Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or RSS. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us again next week for another hour of entertainment from the golden age of radio. Until then, this is your host, Justine Ward, saying so long for now. (laughs) 